Welcome to Inspirational Australians, where we share stories of Australians making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. We at Inspirational Australians acknowledge the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waterways on which this podcast is produced. We pay our respect to elders past and present and those who are emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. At Inspirational Australians, we are inspired by the world's oldest living culture and pay homage to their rich storytelling history when we share stories on our podcast. I'm very excited to speak with today's podcast guest, Ashley Mouncer. Ashley was a semi-finalist in this year's Western Sydney University Academic Achievement Award, a category in the Seven News Young Achiever Awards for New South Wales and the ACT. Ashley's a writer, a poet, and a filmmaker, all the things that I think I'd like to be that I'm terrible at. So I'm Emmy Nora of Ashley. Ashley, welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast. Thank you so much for having me. As I say, I am a little in awe because uh, I'm not a writer, a poet, or a filmmaker. I'd love to be all those things. Pretty mm-hmm. exciting, but I think you need to be pretty creative. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you are an extraordinary young superstar and clearly very talented. And you won your first major award as Young Writer of the Year in 2012. Yeah. Tell us about that, if you can remember way back when, and yeah. how it all started for you. What you know, what got the creative genes going in your in you? Mm. It is sort of interesting you say you kind of have to just be creative. And I think it is something, at least for me, that I just started doing as soon as I could hold a pen, um, kind of before I could form letters. So I used to do something called pre-writing where I just fill pages and pages of notebooks with just scribble that I said were stories and I said that there was were poems. And I was doing that from like about three years old, thinking that I was writing stories. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint like the beginning of it, um, but I've been doing it a really long time. And it's interesting that I sort of have gone for like – I've done so much sort of academia on the subject because I do think it is ultimately something that can't be taught. It's something that you have to have and then um, you learn and you refine it. Um, But, yeah, by the time I was 18, um, when I won the Young Writer of the Year, I knew that I was pretty serious about it. I sort of had all the different things that everybody wants to be when they're young, where I wanted to be a marine biologist and I wanted to be an actress and I wanted to be... uh, I wanted to be a fairy godmother at one point, but the writing thing never went away. I was always like, I'm going to be a full-time writer and a part-time fairy godmother. So by the time I was 18, I was sort of ready to commit full-time to it. Um, And that was the first major award that I won. Um, And a huge amount of things came off the back of that. So I feel really, really lucky that I had that sort of beginning to my, I guess you would call that the beginning of my proper creative writing career. You said that it's uh, it's basically got to be in you, so I guess that means I should give up now on uh, the hope. So maybe I just I'm still trying to find what I'm good at, but you've found yeah. yours, so that is awesome. And I have to ask, what came first, the poetry or the story writing? Uh, definitely story writing. So the first story I ever wrote was about a cow called Jemima. Um, and then that's had lots of spin-off stories, but it's it's always been the storytelling. So 
Um, even when I write poems, they have, they're not abstract poems. They're still telling a story. Um, so I've experimented with poetry and I've expended, I've experimented with screenwriting, but, um, the storytelling, like short stories, novels, those are the things that I just keep coming back to. Yeah. Is that where the filmmaking came into it from the story writing, I guess? Yeah, it was just sort of, I fell into it literally by accident, but it was just exciting to me to think that there was a different way to tell a story um, and a different sort of like, it's a, obviously a visual medium, which is so different than like the level of interiority that you get in a novel. It's much easier to hide things from an audience or a reader when you have that visual medium. Yeah. You uh, obviously, this, uh, the creativity grew, your writing strength grew and your storytelling because you then went to to uni and uh, graduated as the mm-hmm. Dean Scholar with a Bachelor of Creative Writing in 2016. Mm-hmm. That must have uh, been a big influence and uh, significant in terms of your career. Yeah. Um, I think always as well when you go into these sort of creative fields, one of the big things that you one of the biggest assets you can have is just connections, is just other people who you can bounce off, who you can send things to. So that was a huge thing that came out of it. Um, I think the Dean Scholar thing looks quite good on a resume just because it was something that I had to stick with for three years. For three years, you had to keep up like quite a high grade point average. Um, And I think it has helped me get jobs that I'm quietly underqualified for. But I think um, the combination of like the Dean Scholar and the Academic Scholarship because of those things, I was able to move away from uni. I was able to travel between semesters. I was able to have all of these really life-changing experiences that shaped the stories that I ultimately ended up telling. It sounds like you had to work pretty hard for it. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I had to have a HD average for oh. the Dean Scholar. So it was, it was quite high. Um, and I was still, I was working full-time through most of uni. So there were a few times where it was a bit touch and go, whether or not I was going to be able to hold on to it. But uh, I managed it. I think there's the lesson is the harder you work, the luckier you get. People say, yeah. gee, you're lucky. Well, yeah, you know, it's funny how the harder, harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah. Uh, so it all paid off. Well done. Thank you. And you've also won three arts grants. Oh. Are they uh, funding grants to help you, I imagine, with your, your film making and so on? Yeah, so they were all for different things. All three grants came from the same foundation, which is the Budai Foundation of the Arts. Um, it's on the c- Central Coast. It's actually chaired by John Bell from the Bell Shakespeare uh, Company, and they do, like, some really incredible work supporting, like, local artists from my hometown. Um, so all three grants, I won the first one the day I decided to move to Wollongong for uni, actually. I came oh. directly from Wollongong Uni from an open day, and I was really in my head thinking, God, I like, I know I want to do this now, but how am I possibly going to move this far away from home? Um, so that's what I used the first grant for, uh, was to set myself up in Wollongong. Um, and then I went back to them a couple of years later when I wanted to go on exchange to Miami um, and study film writing um, or to sort of just expand into like a few different kinds of writing. Um, so that's what I used the second grant for. And then I used the third grant when I came back from Miami and I was like, that's amazing. I loved film writing. Now I want to go to a proper film school and I wanted to move to Sydney, which is obviously very expensive. Um, So that's what I used the third grant for. So it's really hard to quantify how much that support, not just sort of financial, but like the vote of confidence meant 
and how much it shaped my life and my career because especially as an artist, I think a lot about the kind of stories that you tell because you were in a particular place at a particular time. And for five or six years, the fact that I had this backing and I had this support was putting me in all these different sort of places. Um, There's all these stories that I've written. The book that I've written was sort of came from, and I'll get into this a little bit later, but came from I saw a child riding a mobility scooter. And the novel that I'm writing now is because I saw like a motorbike rider hit a kangaroo, like all these things that I'm like, I had to be in that really specific place and I had to see that thing. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I ended up in Wollongong because of them and I ended up in Miami because of them and I ended up in Sydney because of them. And what sort of stories would I have told or would I have told any stories if I had been even five minutes further down the road? Yeah. It is fascinating how life works and it's important that we really understand to use our mistakes, the trials, the things that we go through for positive because you never know when these things are going to come back to really help you in the future. And it sounds like you have made the most of all opportunities and grasped everything that has gone before you. Yeah, I've tried it's fascinating what you've said. It's really awesome. Um, so, but obviously the grants have held you in good good stead because mm-hmm. you went on to produce your debut film, a feature mm-hmm. film, Questions yeah. and Comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that. And it premiered in a number of countries, I believe. It did, actually. Um, yeah. So I went to Miami thinking, you know, I'll do a couple of different subjects um their course codes work really differently from our course codes and it was really difficult to know what level of subject I was enrolling in so by that stage I was in my third year of uni I was accidentally in 50% intro to creative writing classes and 50% classes for master's students so I ended up in this film writing class I'd never written even a short film in my life um and it was for master's students and we were meant to write an entire feature-length film in six months And I remember thinking, gosh, this is unexpectedly difficult. And I didn't realize I was in the wrong class until about three months in. Luckily, my other classes were so easy because they were intro to writing. It was, you know, one class was, you know, does anyone know what a metaphor is? I'm like, I know. But then the other class was so difficult. Um, I ended up writing um, a film that was really inspired by American culture and how litigious they were and how fascinating I found that. So um, it's about a man called Hal Rosenberg and he's sort of made this career out of complaining. And the film starts with this impassioned email that he's writing to the makers of frozen peas and he's describing how disappointing the experience of eating these peas were and how it just set the tone for his whole day and his whole week and he wasn't able to get over it. Um, And we discovered that this is a man who just makes his living by being dissatisfied and he runs a blog and he complains constantly and he gets free things in exchange Um, And then eventually he goes too far and one of the companies takes him to court for defamation. So he enlists his very hapless uh, neighbor, who is a lawyer, sort of, uh, and the subway guy, meaning the guy who discovered that the subway footlong was only 11 inches. So he's something of an expert in customer disappointment. Um, And he goes on this quest to prove that his dissatisfaction with these products is is legitimate. (laughs) Sounds like a fascinating and interesting movie. Yeah. Uh, so you completed the movie, the, the writing in six months? 
I did, yeah. And then because it was a master's class, there was a woman in that class who was doing her master's in filmmaking um, in directing um, and she wanted to make the film as her sort of thesis project the next year. Um, So she managed to get some funding for it. It was a huge, like, crew. It's incredible, the film industry in in America compared to here. Um, And I was so keen to learn, like, the behind the scenes. As I said, like, it was quite an escalation because it was the first time I'd ever tried to write any kind of film. I never even, I didn't even start with a short film. I started with a feature length film um, and I really wanted to be on set. So I actually flew to Miami to watch them film it um, just to kind of learn. And then I went basically directly from there to, to Sydney where I um, went to film school. Wow. So how long did it take to actually produce the movie? Um, They did the majority, the principal photography was two weeks. And right. then they had to do some pickup shots um, later, which unfortunately I missed. But, yeah, it was incredible, incredibly long days. It's amazing how hard these people work. It was like 14, 15-hour days every single day wow. for two straight weeks. Wow. All right, so the movie's made. Did, they, mm. did you get to view it or approve it before it went uh, to air or...? Mm. Um, no, not really. And I think that that wasn't really my role. Um, my I approved of the script, which is what okay. they used. So you were happy for them to yeah. produce it to make it? Yeah. I really, like, I, I respect their knowledge in their own discipline to know what they're doing and to know why they made choices that they made. Um, yeah, there, there were certain things that I'm like, oh, you know, I'd love to have this, like, this shot of, like, have stayed in the film that was like had 200 people like it's just it's financially not viable or i'd love to have like wide sweeping shot of the beach and there's a reason they didn't do it um yeah they made the best choices for the film with the knowledge that they had yeah so it's their interpretation of your story uh, yeah somewhat governed by financial constraints. Of course, yeah. But I actually love, I think this is something a lot of writers struggle with, but I love having my work interpreted. I really, I go by the philosophy that the author is dead, meaning uh, my authority ends the moment I create something and then it's up to other people to decide what it means or it doesn't mean. Um, And my opinion on what it means is no more important than anybody else's. Must have given you a lot of joy to know that your hard work actually came became reality on the screen. Yeah, yeah. It's really a surreal feeling to see something like a thought that you had in your head and there are so many people working to make it a reality and most people, their thoughts just stay in their heads Um, and I got to see it. I got to see it like a live action of my thought process. I guess the privilege not often shared by many writers that would have that opportunity to see it come to fruition. Yeah, definitely. And that's I, I've won like a few different writing competitions, and my favorite things that I've ever won are always like when people do illustrations of characters that I wrote. I love seeing like what other people thought they looked like. Yeah, yeah, how they see the reality of the story. Yeah, yeah. No, fascinating. And where the the movie was written mm. by you, mm-hmm. it was then translated into film, the inter- interpreted into film, questions and comments. Where did it uh, Where did it show? Where did it feature? So it was streaming on Tubi for a while. It was streaming across quite a few platforms. I, it's currently on Plex. 
So it can be watched on Plex in Australia. I think it's on more platforms if you're in um, America, but in Australia you can watch it on Plex. On Plex, I have to... I have to watch it. It sounds amazing. Um, I'm very, very keen to to. Uh, so, how do you how do you find Plex? Excuse my uh, my ignorance. Um, no, I'm not familiar with them with it either. Okay. I think it's more for like Indian student films. Um, but if you just search um, Plex yep. and questions and comments on Google, that's that's how I found it. Cool. Can't wait. Sounds very exciting. Um, I know, a filmmaker. <laughs> Can I get an autograph as well? A film writer in any case. <laughs> um, your first children's novel, hmm. How to Be Cooler Than the Moon, yeah. was only released very recently. Oh, yeah. So tell, us about, tell us about the book. So I think the idea came from an intersection of multiple things. Um as I always think, I think it's surprising when people say, oh, I just had the, I just, it just came to me. It's always like a few different things happen and a few different things were percolating. Um, so I, at the time that I had the idea, I was watching Old People's Home for Four-Year-Olds, um, which I don't know if you've seen, but it's about this relationship between older people and essentially toddlers and how cathartic and healing and like just how good it is for both parties. Um, and then I was also spending a lot of time with my grandparents, um, who the book is actually dedicated to. And I was thinking about my life and what my personality might have looked like um, if I had spent my whole childhood with my grandparents and I'd just been built up the way that grandparents build you up. And I thought that I was the most amazing, wonderful thing. And I'd never been pulled down to reality by the school, by the schoolyard. And I was really obsessed with this idea of like, who would I have been? What kind of monster would that have created? Um, and then you know, if I hadn't had that grounding influence, um, especially because as a girl, I think a lot of young girls will have experienced this, that sort of drop off in confidence around like prepubescent around the time you hit 11 and you just suddenly become very aware of yourself in the way that you never have been. And and for a lot of young women, I don't think they ever get that confidence back. So to have that confidence prior to 11 and just to have it keep building forever you know, it's a question of where would that have gone? Where would that have ended up? Um, and then, as I mentioned, I was driving and I saw what I thought was a child riding a mobility scooter on the highway. And it was just, and that was sort of the, I guess you call it like an aha moment. It's like, I sort of asked myself, I'm like, why would a child be riding a mobility scooter? Where would they be going? Why would that be the means of transport? And then immediately I had this idea Um the book had a name straight away. I knew what the name was. I knew the character was called Blair Amelia Moon. Um, I knew that she was 11 years old. I knew that she had grown up in a nursing home. Um, I knew that she wore lime green pantsuits and she was really good at bridge and she was really terrible at relating to people her own age. Um, and it's a story about how much that like love and attention can create someone who has this really superhuman level of confidence. Um, She's never doubted herself or her own abilities. And then she goes to real school and she has to navigate this whole new set of social rules that she's never really been familiar with. Um, so, yeah, that's essentially what the book is about. It's about a kid who grew up in a nursing home and who goes to school with all of these ambitions of being prime minister and president, consolidating her power on the playground, um, and very rapidly learns that they respect a very different kind of social currency in the schoolyard than they do in the nursing home. So you crafted this book basically in an instant. 
it was all drafted out uh, in the moment, which is awesome. You said it's a children's book. It sounds actually quite interesting to read as an adult as well. Mm-hmm. Um, is it written for children or is it really a, a joy for anybody to read? The goal was to write a story that is funny for kids but that is also enjoyable for parents and teachers to read along with them. So there's jokes in there that are for kids and there's jokes in there that will go over kids' heads that are for the adults who are reading alongside them. Um, so it's definitely it's definitely for both and I think it's quite nostalgic as well as an adult to read like just like the intricacies of the rules on the on the playground and it's really about like how do you find your place when you don't understand what the rules are? Sounds like it'll be amazingly engaging, uh, educating, mm-hmm. and uh, I think grandparents must go into reading the book with the realisation that uh, we should be far more accountable for, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. spoiling our grandkids. And <laughs> that's, that's essentially the moral of the story. Yeah, Everyone right. should pay more attention to their grandparents. <laughs> uh, I'm feeling very guilty at this point in time. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we'll move right along. Um, so, so the book has come out. You've told us how the idea came about just in that moment, which is mm. which is amazing. Where can where can our listeners buy the book? Um, so if you're in New South Wales, Victoria or ACT, it's in quite a lot of bookstores, um, particularly Harry Hartogs, um, but it's in a range of different bookstores. Um, you can also order it from the publisher, Ford Street Publishing, directly. It's on Amazon, it's on eBay, it's on um, Booktopia. It's kind of like in all the standard places. If you just Google the name of the book, you should be able to find somewhere near you or somewhere that has reasonable shipping that you can get it. And if if a bookstore doesn't have it, basically any bookstore apart from a QBD can order it in for you. Will you produce an e-book or a a digital copy? Um, I haven't so far, but it is sort of on on my radar. That's amazing. You are a superstar, as I said earlier. Where can people find out more about uh, your writing, your film, uh, and uh, all the things that might come? So I've sort of just this year consolidated all of my uh, work on my website, which is ashleymounza.com. I'm also on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, which is all just under my name because it's a fairly unusual name and no one else wanted it. So at Ashley Mounslap for everything. There was no competition. (laughs) What's next for Ashley Mounslap? Writing. Lots and lots more writing. Uh, I'm writing, I'm just finishing off, actually hoping to finish off another novel before Christmas. There's nothing I love more than writing when it's going well and there's nothing I, I hate more than writing when it's going badly. But at the moment it's going really well. Um, and I'm really grateful to be back at it because I had to take a break this year because I was working full time. And um, even if you get traditionally published, you actually have to do about 95% of the marketing for the book yourself. So I was working essentially two full time jobs trying to market this book um, and I had to give up on writing for a little while. But I'm I'm back into it um, and I'm working on getting so I write children's comedy and I write adult horror. Uh, I'm trying to get my adult horror uh, manuscript published at the moment, um, as well as finishing this other one. Um, yeah, and I'm still tinkering with, with the sequel to How to Be Called in the Moon. So there is a, a second one. Awesome. 
and come on, publishers, get your act together. We want to read the uh, the horror stories. They're probably my favourite, so I'm looking forward oh, really? to that. So, yeah, so come on, publishers, get your act together right now. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> it's clipped to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when uh, when you become a bestseller <laughs> on this publisher that we haven't determined yet, yeah. Will you, for the record, promise that you'll sign uh, an autograph copy for me? A hundred percent, yes. Sweet. All right, so that's good. Uh, I'll save this recording. Yeah. Prosterity and uh, <laughs> Ashley's signature. Uh, and for all of our listeners, if you contact Ashley, I'm sure she'll do the same if you go and see her at a, a book signing. Uh, that she'll sign a copy for you to say that you listen to the podcast and yeah, go in right. and see her. Just as a disclaimer, my um, my signature is still terrible. I've been practicing <laughs> well, I because I knew I wanted to get published from the time I was about five. So when I was five, I was like, "You've really got to sort out this autograph situation." And then I got published this year, and I was like, "How have you procrastinated for twenty five years? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't sorted this out." So uh. it's, not, it's not the best. <laughs> well, I have had many a person say, gee, no one could uh, forge that signature. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm, that's I'm definitely still... a good thing. Yeah, well, the, 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 um, the jury's still out on whether it's a good signature or a bad signature. So, actually, what's something quirky we might not know about you? Um, so I've been told this is quirky. It's probably very Blair Moon. Um I have very uh, rigorous schedules for my day. So all of my days are broken into 15-minute increments um, with what I am planning to accomplish in that 15-minute increment. If it's a more relaxed day, there'll be 30-minute increments. Um, and then on the weekend, I give myself one-hour increments so that there's, it's a bit more relaxed. Um, but, yeah, I've I've been told that's that's quirky. But I, I actually, I find it really helpful because then if something goes wrong in that 15 minutes, you just you just start a new 15 minutes. It's like starting a new day every 15 minutes. I think we may need to call you in for some training on uh, how to use our time better at our office for, for myself and uh, another person that I can think of that I won't name because it may incriminate me and them. That's my um, one tip. You've actually tapped me out, though. It's 15-minute increments. I don't have anything else. <laughs> you can well, have that one for free. I think we need to be more accountable in 15 increments or any increments at all. Um, no, that's that's a good one. That's I think that's a very handy hint. You've actually been very enlightening uh, throughout um, in terms of some practical ideas for people. Thank you. Do you think just changing tack for a moment, so of course, as I mentioned at the beginning of our chat, you're a semi-finalist in the Seven News Young Achiever Awards for New South Wales ACT. And I, I'm i just pondering where that the standard of the uh, semi-finalist must have been extreme that you didn't make finals because you're amazing. And I think potentially if we'd had an arts award, uh, mm -hmm. you would have uh, been right at the top of the pile uh, so, yes, anybody listening want to sponsor an arts award, uh, do let me know. Just a little plug there. Um, but do you think being nominated and making the semifinals has helped you as a person or your career at all? 
Yeah, massively. As much as like anything does, it's always you, particularly I think novel writers, it's such a solitary pursuit. You do so much of it alone. Anytime someone gives you any measure of like a pat on the back and says, oh, you're, you're doing okay. It's like, oh, okay, well, that'll keep me going for six months. Um, so there's definitely that aspect of it, but also, um, as someone who, who was, I think, longlisted, um, I had access to a mentor, which could not have come at a better time because I was publishing my book this year, as I said, and I had to do so much of that marketing myself. And you would think, you know, that you might get like some guidance or you might have like access to like some sort of leaflet. You really don't get anything. You just, you know, that you have to do something and you don't even know what it is. So um, that was really incredible um, and a huge, huge support just to be given like some pointers, some direction, like to be given like an angle that I'm, you know, explain to have, you know, someone tell me how to talk about the book because I didn't even know how to talk about it. Um, yeah, so it's made a huge difference. Fantastic. And we love to hear that and uh, love to hear the stories. And it's about telling stories of positivity inspiration and role modeling and uh, to help the individual of course is is uh, paramount for us as well individuals like yourself who are real people doing extraordinary things and we hear too often about the negatives the few that maybe aren't performing to the level that we have expectation of but there are many many like yourself Ashley who are extraordinary and doing really amazing things beyond what the average person is doing but it is about average people doing well above average things and it happens all the time and with more inspiration, confidence and a bit of personal building like uh, your grandparents yeah. that we're yeah. able to to do more and yeah. be more. So uh, well done to you. Thank do you, you have any words of wisdom for our listeners? Um, yeah, I think... Probably just don't dwell on failure is my big thing. I think when you fail and then you give up, the failure is the story. Um, so I feel like the story now or the narrative that I'm telling is that I got a book published, but I was trying to get a book published for 10 years. I was dropped by two literary agents. Um, I had to like, I wrote a bunch of books that weren't good. I wrote a bunch of books that were good, but they didn't know how to market it. Um and even the day that I was dropped by my second literary agent, I think I got that email and I opened a new tab and I got the address of three more publishers and I sent my book out that day, probably within about 10 minutes of being dropped. Um, and one of those publishers published my book. So now that's the story that I'm telling because I didn't I didn't sort of sit there with it. And honestly, it's, it's quite easy advice to take because it's so uncomfortable to sit with failure anyway. But just I think you just get back up and you just give it another go. Um, it's only it's only the story if you stop the story there. Yeah, I think that's absolutely brilliant. And uh, for those people that give up, we can only wonder what might have been. Yeah, well, because I, I do genuinely think the people who sort of get through and find success in these really, really difficult fields are not necessarily the most talented. It's, it's the people who just kept getting up again, um, and that's what's going to get you through more than any level of talent. Yeah, I think it is a talent in itself. It's a mm, self-belief. It's and yeah, and you need to, you, you just, your advice is, is superb. We learn from our failures and they mm. make us stronger and better. And uh, you and Richard Branson, Branson have a lot in common because the amount of times that he failed before he was successful and he yeah. was trying 
kept getting mm. back up, kept believing in himself. And it is and then, hard. And then it's like you said, and then, and then you get lucky. Yeah, you do. And you're an overnight success and you got so lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, it's like our events and I digress, but people say, oh, it's, you're so lucky. You get to go all these uh, dinners and yeah. all these wonderful meals and you think, yeah, so lucky. Um <laughs> we start at nine, finish at two the next morning, packing down, and I actually don't get to eat because my job is really talking to everybody in the room. Uh, so, um, but yeah, gee, I'm lucky. But I am lucky. I am probably uh, other than you, the, one of the luckiest people in the world because I get to meet people like yourselves, hear stories continually, mm. be a part of helping to change lives and give people opportunity. So I am ex- I am extremely lucky, as people say. I think both can be true, though. You can be extremely lucky and also be extremely hardworking. Like, it can yeah. be both. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. That's very true. Mm-hmm. And often you're in the right place at the right time because you've made the opportunity present itself. And because you were in so many of the wrong places along the way. You've yeah. just tried to be everywhere. Eventually you had to be in the right place. Yes. Just so the key lesson is keep trying. Yes. Bounce back up. Yeah. Although at my age, it does get harder to get back up again physically. <laughs> physically. <laughs> Not bad emotionally, but physically it's, it takes a lot longer. Yeah. Um, and I, our grandkids say, come on, Grandpa, get up. Like, I'm trying. <laughs> What's... um. Or where can our listeners connect with you online or get a copy of your book again? So uh, at Ashley Mansa on TikTok and Instagram. I'm very active on TikTok. Um, and then you can also check out my other work. So I've got lots of poems, short stories, um, lots of short films that I've made um, on ashleymansa.com. Um, and How to Be Cool in the Moon is available in bookstores, on Amazon, on eBay, on Booktopia. Um, basically, anywhere you get your books, you can get it. Fantastic. Well, going to have to get one uh, real soon and find Plex uh, and watch your movie. It all sounds amazing. And as I said, you are a superstar. Now, if there was one piece of advice, you've given us some words of wisdom. If there's one piece of advice that you would leave with our listeners, Mm -hmm. what would that be? I think it's probably dedication over motivation. Um, And what I mean by that is the things that you do when you're feeling unmotivated are so much more important than the things that you do when you are feeling motivated. Because it's very easy to, you know, get a lot of work done and really, especially as like an artist and say, oh, I'm inspired, I'm going to do all this work. But can you get up every day and put in that work, even when you don't feel like it, even when you are feeling like a bit down on a book or a bit like you've got a series of rejections, can you keep getting back up and keep putting in that level of work, even when you're not necessarily feeling that motivation? Because motivation comes and goes, but dedication, if you can form that habit, um, that's really like, I think, the bedrock of, of breaking through. Yeah, dedicated over motivated. I like that. That's very cool. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, what's mine? Yeah, well, it's very good. It is a, a great uh, piece of advice for our yeah. listeners. That's free of charge as well. Yeah, free of charge. Yeah, cool, as as will the signing be uh, when Ashley becomes a super bestseller megastar. So make sure you get all of Ashley's books because we don't at this stage know which one is going to be the bestseller. So keep an eye out, get that book, and yeah. Ashley will sign it for and you. And make sure you're in the right place. 
get as yeah. many as you can. So get onto the Ashley's website. Keep following. Are you on? Um, uh, is your your work on? You said you're on TikTok and Instagram, was it? Mm, yeah. Yep. So we can follow you on those. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Then we can get keep up to date with what's uh, moving and shaking in Ashley's world. Yeah. As well. Well, Ashley, it's been an absolute privilege to have you on the podcast today. You're a true champion and inspiration. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. And our podcast is about everyday people just like Ashley who are really doing extraordinary and motivational things. If you enjoy the podcast, why not subscribe? We would love to also have you rate and review us if it's good. If you would like to see the show notes or transcripts or hear the interview again, head to awardsaustralia.com forward slash podcast. Thanks to Annette, our producer, and my co-host Josh for making our podcast happen. And a special shout out to Seven News for their promotion of our programs right across the country. Awards Australia is actually a family-owned business who have for the past 35 years endeavoured to recognise those who go above and beyond for their communities. If you'd like to find out more about nominating someone or partnering with our programs, contact us at Awards Australia uh, on our Awards Australia podcast. Thanks so much for listening to my chat with the extraordinary Ashley. And until next week, Stay safe, be kind, and keep making a difference. Thanks so much, Ashley. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Well, that was really great. I was uh, super motivated and now dedicated more than motivated. So thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Take care and um, good luck with everything, or should I say hard work. Hard work with everything. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, dedication. Take care, Ashley. See you later. Thanks so much. Bye. The Inspirational Australians podcast is brought to you by Awards Australia. We recognise, celebrate and share the stories of Inspirational Australians through our awards programs across the country. To find out more, to nominate an Inspirational Australian in your life or to partner with our awards, visit awardsaustralia.com. If you enjoyed today's story, we'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and review to make sure you don't miss an episode and to help our guests reach more people with their inspirational stories.